In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We give thanks to Thee, O Christ our God, for guiding us here today. Strengthen us so that we may walk in Thy commandments and follow Thy precepts. Help us to glorify Thee with one voice and with one heart, and to glorify Thine all-honorable, majestic name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and into ages of ages. Amen. Amen. So, I wanted to start with playing a little excerpt of a Kentuckian, because we talked about Kentuckian last week, but I'm not sure if I was able to explain the, it as well as I wanted to explain it. So, here we're going to hear Bishop Basil singing the Akathist. And we'll talk about it in a second, but this is Bishop Basil. Was sent from heaven to save unto the poetic language this Kentuckian consists of.
then everyone would repeat that Hail O Bride without Bridegroom. And then it would keep going on and on and on. So that's a, that's a stasis right there. So there'd be like 12 or 13 of those. So. <coughs> Just a little, pre just a little example of uh, one of the only, pretty much the only full Kentuckian that we still use today. Actually, you know what? We're gonna keep it here. So, if we look back on our sheet here, there's a couple more things about Byzantine chant that I want to talk about before we move on to the hymns of the church. And if you'll notice, when we're chanting, sometimes we're chanting things very drawn out, very slow, and sometimes we're chanting things very fast. Anyone have an example of one time that we're chanting things more slow? Than great length. Great length. Yep. What, uh, where else? Or a part of great length. Or any hymns. What about in Vespers today? Was there a hymn that you found slower than the rest of the hymns that we sang? The glory, right, the glory. So, hymns that are really slow and drawn out like that are called stichiraric hymns. So that is what we would sing after the glory that we sang today at Vespers. That would be what we would also sing when we sing the glory at Matins that comes right before the great doxology. So these are very <coughs> slow hymns that are very beautiful and usually worded very uh, in, a, in a certain way to bring out either the, the glory or the joy of the saint, of the saint's life, or the splendor of the Trinity. Things that are meant to be chanted slow so we can understand every word beautifully and proclaim with ornamentation the splendor of God. So, those are stichiraric. Uh, also, under stichiraric would be Lord I Cried, what we chanted today too. That is more of a Slow, you heard it today. Oh, as just one note for oh, for a long time. Uh, also, the praises during matins when we sing, let everything that hath breath stick your ark. Irma logic is what we would do during vespers after we would sing a verse like, if thou, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who shall stand? For with thee there is forgiveness. For set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth, and a door round about my lips. Those are faster. Those are hymns that are meant to be at a certain pace, so that really only one note per syllable kind of a thing. So they're just they're meant to go quick. And it's called the Irmologic because we'll talk about this in a second, but Irmologic comes from the Irmos, which is the first part of the canon. For There's a canon. Uh, actually, we'll get into a second, but for now, all we need to know is it's named after the Irmos. So, uh, an Irmos being, uh, and this is an example of one. So you can see it kind of moves a little bit. It's not very slow. So the last section is 
Papadic. That is the slowest of the slow. This is when the hymn is very long and drawn out. And usually this happens when we're preparing for the great entrance in the altar. And the chanters will go real slow and really bring out the cherubic hymn so that we can have time to prepare for... Also, it's a beautiful hymn. I mean, let us lay aside all earthly cares. I mean, it's a beautiful hymn as well. So there's kind of like a dual reason behind it. Judy. Not papadic. I don't think so. Like the Treparian for noble. Oh, or the big long tone five. The big long tone five. When do we, when do you sing it? At. Yeah, I don't think it's supposed to be long drawn out. Joseph having having brought down thy, your body from the tree. Not really supposed to be that long. It's more of a Treparian where that that's supposed to be. Here's an example of uh, papadic. We don't listen to that much of it, but it's a different language, but it's beautiful. This is now the powers of heaven before the great entrance during pre-sanctified. <laughs> He's just getting into the tone. <laughs> definitely one of the slower hymns that you'll hear. So those are the three different types uh, of tempo that we have in Byzantine chant.
and made it more accessible. Did we lose anything in that? Is, is it really, was it really a matchup, the 12 tones, or a one for one, or is there some inflections that we, we now uh, do without? Yeah, that? I think we've lost. Yeah, we, I think we've definitely lost some of the uh, ornamentation and some of the, be yes, because t the tones don't match up with the scale. So there's this thing called microtones, yeah, between each note, and we just don't have microtones really in Western. So it's not completely, the tones aren't exactly like they would, they should be really because. If you played on the piano, you would miss exactly what it was. Before. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the canon. <clears throat> the canon came to replace the Kentuckian. And in a canon, there's nine different odes. Each ode has its own melody. So it's very melodically diverse. And when we sing the canon during matins on Sunday, we just sing one part of every single ode. The ode is set up with three different parts. <coughs> the first part is the earmost. And the earmost sets the it's kind of is the example for the rest of the melodic example for the rest of the ode. So after the earmost comes six to nine traparia. If we remember Saint Andrew of Crete in his uh, canon that we do during Lent, we do the full canon, and by full canon I mean it's so full it takes us more than one night to do the whole canon. After the traparia is the katavasia. On Sundays, we just do the katavasia. The katavasia is usually the same exact wording of the earmost, usually the same thing. Same thing. So like the first paragraph and the last paragraph are usually the same wording and the same melody. So again, in between our little traparia, which are shorter, shorter paragraphs, and in between each traparia, you would sing something like, glory to thee, our God, glory to thee, or have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me, as we do. And um, we sing the canon of St. Andrew of Crete. Uh, there's a lot of different canons for different things. You have a canon for the different saints. You have a paschal canon, canon for different feasts. You even have sacramental canons. There's a canon for uh, a funeral. And there's also canons for different tones, really. Like we talked about the octoikos last week, and there's a different, if you look in the Octobicos, they'll have a full canon for each tone, for each day, really. So, a lot of different canons out there. And I'll play, actually, I like this one better.
that is one of the earmost from the canon. So after that would follow shorter lines, and we'd say, have mercy on me, O God, after each, after each one. Okay. The, the person who wrote the most, let me see if this is working, the most canons, St. John of Damascus in the eighth century. Last week, I believe we talked about how he, his hand was cut off. Did we talk about that last week? We didn't talk about that? Okay, so St. John of Damascus was really a prolific writer. He was very learned, and he was a defender of icons. And so once the emperor was not, uh, was an iconoclast and did not really like St. John of Damascus, and so he and his people forged a letter to one of the high-ranking uh, people in the Muslim, uh, of Muslim authorities, and the, so this Muslim guy did not, uh, so thought that St. John of Chrysostom wrote this very bad letter, and so he found out, and he cut off St. John of Damascus, sorry, St. John of Damascus, cut off St. John of Damascus's hand, the hand of one of the greatest writers in all of Christianity, and one night St. John prayed to the Theotokos, and the Theotokos restored his hand, so his, there's some icons actually with kind of like a golden hand you can see of in St. John of Damascus. So Theotokos restores his hand and he goes on to just write canons from all the, from the feasts of the Lord, uh, canon at a funeral for the feast of the Theotokos, canons about the prophets, the apostles, the hierarchs, the martyrs. Um, he's just a prolific, prolific writer. Half of the stuff that we sing if you can make a guess, probably coming from St. John of Damascus. So St. John of Damascus wrote a lot of canons. His foster brother, St. Cosmos the Melodus, also wrote a lot of canons. So St. Cosmos, some of the canons we're not sure about because St. John of Damascus and St. Cosmos learned from a teacher named Cosmos. So we're not exactly sure which we can attribute to St. Cosmos, but it seems like the canon for Lazarus, Saturday, or Palm Sunday, um, there's a canon he does at Christmas that's based on the sermon from St. Gregory the Theologian, and uh, they say he composed more honorable than the cherubim. And St. Andrew of Crete, is, of course, is a great canonist. He, the longest in all our services we have during Great Lent, and is filled with typology and applications from the scripture to our lives. Here's some excerpts of some canons that, uh, you know what, we'll do a, uh, I'll read and then you can guess what canon this comes from. I have reviewed Moses' account of the creation of the world, my soul, and then all canonical scripture, which tells you the story of the righteous and the unrighteous, but you, my soul, have copied the latter and not the former and have sinned against God. Andrew of Crete, yep. I have sinned, O Savior, yet I know that thou art the lover of men. Thou strikest compassionately and pitiest warmly. Strikest compassionately and pitiest warmly. Thou seest me weeping and runnest towards me as the father recalling the prodigal. This is... Sunday. It's from also from St. Andrew of Crete, but I can see how... <laughs> That was a trick question. 
It is the day of resurrection. Let us be radiant, O people. Pascha, the Lord's Pascha. For Christ our God has brought us from death to life and from earth to heaven as we sing triumphant hymns. Pascha. It is the day of resurrection. Let us be radiant, O people. Uh, that's just great. Let us be radiant. I feel like sometimes we aren't as radiant when the hymns tell us to be radiant. Joining dust to spirit, O word, by thy word in the beginning, thou hast breathed into the clay a living soul, and now by thy word thou hast raised up thy friend from corruption and from the depths of the earth. Lazarus Saturday. May the divinely speaking Habakkuk now stand, watch with us, and show forth a shining angel saying resoundingly, Today salvation has come to the world, for Christ is risen as Almighty. Of Pascha, yep. So that comes from the sixth ode. No, not the sixth ode, the fourth ode. Each ode, to show the brilliance of St. John of Damascus and these canonists, each ode has a theme. So the first ode, a song of praise to God, who through Moses freed the Israelites from the Egyptians and led them through the Red Sea to the Promised Land. The second ode we usually don't sing, except for in Lent, and even in that, think just on Tuesdays, um, because it's very mournful. And the Song of Moses, which speaks of the faithlessness of the Jews and of Israel's turning away from God, forgetting all he has done for them, uh, but ends with God being the creator and redeemer and the judge of all the nations. The third ode, uh, inspired by the prayer of Hannah, the mother of Samuel, glorifies <laughs> God as her strength and salvation. The fourth ode, based on Habakkuk, who speaks of the awesome works of the Lord. So here, this comes from the fourth ode. And for a lot of the canons, they weave the celebration of the feast with these different themes in the odes, for the most part. Some, not, some we really have to look into to, to see the connection. connection, but for the most part, it's beautifully done. So ode five, prophet Isaiah's prophecy and prayer that God will destroy the ungodly and bring peace. Ode six, Jonah in the belly of the whale. Ode seven and eight, usually events of the three youths in the furnace. And praise to God for preserving them from the fire. And Ode nine, Archangel Gabriel's <coughs> appearance and greeting to the Virgin Mary. Now in Matins on Sundays, between Ode eight and between Ode nine, we do what? Yeah, Magnificat. So usually that is in the same tone as the canon. Usually our canon is in tone four on Sundays, so the Magnificat is in also tone four but it does change tones. Um, yes. Yes, do you get this? Is it, you said we only sing it during Lent on Tuesday. Is that the only time those canons have the second note, or are they written for all the canons we just don't sing them? Yeah, they're written for all the canons, yeah. Yes. We usually just don't sing them. Um, yeah. So, question, the, um, the oral structure with the, with the, 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 the themes of the oral structure, mm -hmm. how did that develop and when? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know, to tell you the truth. Um, how did they develop? Mm -hmm. Father John? Well, well, the themes are actually tied to a biblical passage. Mm -hmm. So now, how those... Again, as Father pointed out, the canon sort of is a, a 
development that replaces the long, long Kentuckian. And so the canon is the, the, is the place where we have the greatest amount of teaching about the faith. So that's why they're long, because mm -hmm. they're, they're teaching us and they're expounding upon. So now, how that biblical ode that stands behind each of those themes was selected. I, I don't know that. Yeah, that's you a know, good question, though. Mm -hmm. But but you can, there's a biblical passage <laughs> for each one of those things that he outlined. Mm -hmm. Okay, so ex apostolaria is the next hymn we're going to look at. Ex apostolaria, one who is sent forth. You can see that because you kind of see the word for apostle in the name of the hymn. Hymns having to do with Jesus sending out the ointment-bearing women and the apostles. They also have to do with something we call, and I'm not going to, maybe not pronounce this right, the Eothenon. Did I pronounce that right? Eothenon. There are 11 Eothenons. Is that the plural? Eothena. Eothena. <laughs> 11 Eothenas. And each having to do with a resurrectional appearance uh, of Christ. So, there's 11, and we have in the Matins Gospel 11 different resurrectional appearances that we read. So this hymn, Ex Apostolaria, has also to do with the Gospel reading for the Eothenon that we use that day. So, usually it also is sung in Tone 2 or Tone 3 most of the time. And it happens right before we sing the praises during Matins. And here's an example. Some of them, uh, so there's ex apostolaria for certain feasts. And sometimes they don't exactly match up as Jesus Christ sending out the ointment bearing women and apostles. And I think the example that I use is one of them. Um, <coughs> Sorry, that one I just played was not the Exopostolarian. <laughs> this is one of them.
that is the exopostal area for the nativity. Okay, next, the, <coughs> any volunteers? Hipakoi. <laughs> Which, Hipakoi, is that how you say it? Hipakoi, translated to obedience. <laughs> A hymn that reflects the obedience of the Theotokos and the ointment-bearing women. Uh, and this is read closer to the middle of Matins. Um, also, this is before, which is, occurs a little bit before the Matins Gospel. And Cam Newton, a great canonist of our church. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful rendition. Usually in Orthros, we just read it, but <laughs> yeah, powerful. I mean, it's ascending, it's uh, sending forth and powerful. Um, next, we have the Doxasticon, which we talked about a little earlier today as the glory that we sing during Great Vespers and in Matins, <laughs> and for during and regular Vespers. So during Vespers, it's the hymn that is very long, you, or I should say, um, very long drawn, usually longer drawn out. Um, why can I not copy this? 
So this glory is from a special service. This is the Dormition. Vespers for the Dormition. And the Vespers for the Dormition, this glory goes into all the eight tones. So you're going to hear him go and delve from tone one uh, to tone five to tone two to tone six. And he's going to hit all the different tones. And you can kind of think about when, uh, when he makes those switches into the tones, because it's very hard to, to figure out because he does it so smoothly. So this is the glory from the Dormition.
glitched again. During matins, we sing it right before the great doxology, and we sing it, and we open the doors, and we turn all the lights on. It's this rejoicing, it's this beauty, it's this splendor of uh, the liturgy is coming, this uniting with the angels, all as one voice, living life in the kingdom while we're here on earth, praising and exalting God. And the glory is just this beautiful, kind of entrance into the liturgy. And as you can see here, it's just, uh, it's just we sing it with power, we sing it with joy, we elongate it for the beauty and for the emphasis of 
this is what we're doing is something special. This is something that is uh, heavenly. It's heavenly, joining with the angels. So the those that's the doxasticon. There's also the dogmaticon. You can see in the word dogma. <coughs> this is a type of glory. Um, during Vespers, Great Vespers, usually we'll sing glory to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, followed by both now and ever. And then we will sing this dogmaticon, talking about the dogma of the Trinity, the dogma of the Theotokos, or, uh, and the dogma on the person of Christ. That will be during Great Vespers, usually on a Saturday we'll have that. Or if it's a big feast for a saint, kind of to signify this is a big deal, we put the dogmaticon in there and we're like, okay, this saint is a big deal. This is, we're going to talk about the dogma of Christ and the dogma of the Trinity. So. Here's one example of Sorry, technical difficulties. Paste. There we go. dogma. dogma in there. Again, for clarification, we wouldn't sing this dogmaticon on a night like this on a weekday Vespers unless there was a commemoration of a big saint. And a big saint commemorated was yesterday with Saint Demetrius, and I'm not, there probably was a dogmaticon in that uh, for the glory in that service. 
Um, so again, this would be something on Great Vespers on a Saturday night or a big commemoration of a feast. Next, the Theotokian, a hymn to the Theotokos. So for today, we would have sang the glory to the Father during Vespers. We would have sang the Doxasticon, and then we would have sang both now and ever, and then the Theotokian. Usually following both now and ever, a hymn to the Theotokos usually follows that. We did it tonight at Vespers, and also when we sing the Troparian of a saint, usually we sing uh, both now and ever after that, and we sing something to the Theotokos. So at the end of the Vespers service tonight, when we sang the Troparian, we sang glory to the Father, and we sang the Troparian for the saint. Then we sang both now and ever, and it was the Theotokian commemorating the Theotokos. So usually when you hear both now and ever, you know the Theotokian is coming. Something about the Theotokos is going to be sung. The Theotokian also is sung right before the great doxology and matins. We sing the glory, we sing the doxasticon, then we sing both now and ever, in that both now and ever is always the same thing. Except for when there's uh, some big, big Feast of the Lord or something. But usually we always sing both now and ever, and then we sing Most Blessed Art Thou, O Virgin Theotokos. And here's an example of that. <laughs> Also, there's something called the Stavrotheotokian. Last week, we talked about how <laughs> for every day of the week, there's also a commemoration. So on Wednesday and Friday, we commemorate the cross. And so on Tuesday night and Thursday night, which is the beginning of Wednesday and Friday, the beginning of a liturgical day, we usually sing something called the Stavrotheotokian, which is talking about the Theotokos and her witness to Christ on the cross. Um, these are hymns that talk about, yeah, the Theotokos and her devotion to Christ on the cross. And she sings like, oh, how, my beloved, how could thou be suspended on the tree? And she's kind of wailing and mourning in this hymn. Uh, and we usually would sing that again on Vespers if it was a Tuesday night or a Thursday night. Next is a hymn called the Polyilios of Much Mercy. Usually, we sing this hymn when there's some very big commemoration going on as well. <coughs> it's a hymn that happens usually at matins, and 
there's one line that's usually repeated. Uh, we usually repeat, for his mercy endureth forever. And we'll sing Psalm 134 and 135. We'll sing it out. And then everyone will together, for his mercy endureth forever. There's different, right, there's, there's different melodies to that. But that's the basis. Also, there's some other psalms that we'll sing that we also call the polyilios. So for a feast of uh, the Theotokos, usually we would sing something called uh, a good word, Psalm 44. Uh, also, for polyilios, we sing um, instead of for his mercy endureth forever, we would all sing a refrain just alleluia, and that would be a, a hymn that goes like, Praise ye the name of the Lord, O ye servants. Praise the Lord. Alleluia. It's nice when we're all, we all sing their refrain. It's great. And, and back in the day, there would be two choirs going back and forth, singing the verses of the psalm, and then everyone singing, Alleluia, for his mercy. And as that happens, The church in San Diego mm -hmm. does that. Mm -hmm. The church in San Diego? The Antiochian church? Well, they've got, yeah, they have two choirs. We, we gave the choir. We did? Yes. We used to do it during Lent. Kind of give the choir a break. So the, there was an A choir and a B choir. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I mean, they did it in such a way. They're spinning the chandeliers. Talk about it in a second, but. Ah, you can't see it. Uh, it's a little dark, but you can see those two chandeliers right there. Who gets to do that? <laughs> whoever, whoever tithes the most gets to do the chandelier. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, so they're spinning the chandeliers. Anyone have any idea what, why they do that, what that represents, why? Yes, Father. It's a celebration, actually. It's, it's, it's like uh, a happy, it's, it's the happy part, it's the happiest part of the great feast in order for us. That's what it is. Yeah. So, and that's why, actually, typically, you would open the doors there. You would open the doors. And the only time I've ever seen something like that was on Mount Athos at a festival. So that's the trauma piece for a monastery. So in Athos, they have these big, these big chandeliers, but they're all candles. There are no lights. They're all candles. So there's 150 lighted candles on this thing right there. And then on the outside, they have another chandelier that's called the Corona. And so one guy stands in the middle the big one, he swings it like this. Two other guys get on the outside and they attach to that corona and they swing it back and forth like this. So in the monastery we were in, they had four sets of those things. <laughs> and so when all that's going on, it's like there's just 
Yes, I think so. I think in the, yeah, like the Russian tradition, mm -hmm. like at St. Vlad, so yeah, they'd have yeah, everyone come out and yeah, double sensor and stuff. They, they stop them and they douse about 75% of the candles and, and everybody can close the door and go back to the <laughs> <laughs> How about, how about bell ringing during the holidays? Some places ring bells. Uh, I would, I bet you they would. I would imagine. Churches. Went to in Boston did three bells and also the, the icon lamps. We didn't have chandeliers, but the icon lamps. Is that in our Yeah, yeah, I can see no. that. Really glad no chandeliers. I'm Beowulf Moore, and I'm a Broadway set designer. Sort of a fall in love with this computer, and I can. Now the refrain's gonna switch. can stop here for the night and I'll, next week we'll talk about the last couple hymns and then father yeah and then we'll talk a little bit about the slavic tones and how they came to be and how they developed and what they sound like and stuff so